0: This recording has been produced by Christchurch Jerusalem. For more information, visit us at cmj-israel.org. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Roger wants some children. <laughs> yes, uh, this is a time of their children's present. They go to the... Um, uh, the room in the back and uh, uh, have their time of opening God's word together. So anyone who'd like to identify themselves as children of any age, this is the time. And Lord, may you particularly kindle their spirits to hear your word and to meet you and to bring them also into deep and strong discipleship. In your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. As a focus for us, look on the third page of your worship sheet, the first sentence on the left-hand column, and that is what we are doing today in our gathering, in word, in sacrament, in prayer, in praise, in song, in everything This is what today is about. For as the time of his passion and resurrection draws near, the whole world is called to acclaim his hidden majesty. And that's what we are doing today. We are remembering, joining in that the day of uh, his entry into Jerusalem we are there today during that holy work of remembering and we are proclaiming, we are acknowledging what had up to the gospels of this time been uh, intentionally hidden by our Lord and now he is taking the, the lead to, uh, in his preparations to decisively, clearly, unambigu- unambiguously the, the people have been hungry for and hoping for and praying for and looking for a Messiah and now he's doing everything that he can to say I am the Messiah and I am here and he's accepting their praise, he's accepting their worship and then uh, uh, saying uh, uh, even in Luke's gospel when uh, uh, he's told to uh, rebuke his disciples and to shut up, to say you know, if, if we don't proclaim if we do not proclaim his hidden majesty, if we do not acknowledge him as uh, uh, the Messiah, as the King of Israel, as the Son of David, then I think he is speaking not metaphorically, and not poetically, but literally, when he says, the very stones will cry out. And with that, I would uh, I would agree with some of the scholars who say that he's not talking just about the stones in the ground before him, but the stones of the holy temple, the stones of the houses, the stones of of the city of Jerusalem. Every stone that was going to be torn down, along with uh, lives needlessly lost, because they uh, did not know the day of uh, God's visitation. Of God's moment with them. The stones which uh, 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 bore witness uh, to the shame of our rejection or silence. That I believe literally those stones would have cried out. I was very blessed this, uh, this past couple of weeks to read um, a scholar of uh, almost 200 years ago that when describing this day, when Jesus, as Messiah and King, comes to claim his city, and to claim his house of his temple, and to uh, be present with the sovereignty of, of the King and the living God among us. I'm just, I'm just very blessed to hear that with all of the, uh, the enthusiasm with all of the uh, energy, with all of the praise that was going on in Passover in general, any Passover season when pilgrims come up. But this Passover in particular, when uh, the expectation, the prayers were at their height of, will, you know, we want a Messiah that. Uh, with all that energy with all that praise with all that enthusiasm of the city swelling of pilgrim, of wave after wave of pilgrim of God himself and his spirit anointing that moment breaking in bursting in and, and adding uh, his own praise of angels and archangels and of all the company of heaven you know to our praise an amazing an amazing moment it says there you know of all of who Jesus the wor- became flesh and incarnate and born to be for all the works and teaching of his ministry up to that point for which the people were singing uh, the praise for the still resounding sound from, uh, from his birth when angel said a peace on earth <laughs> and all the company of, of heaven was, was singing their praise. It says that uh, there must be a moment, there must be a moment when the King, the Messiah, God with us, is acknowledged and saluted in his full identity. Yes, I believe it's not metaphorical. I don't believe it's just poetic. I think it literally would have happened that if we did not give praise. The stones themselves would burst forth with a royal salute to their Creator, Redeemer, to their Messiah, and to their King. So again, in the time, as the time of His Passion and Resurrection draws near, the whole world is once again called to acknowledge. His hidden majesty. The entire second half of Luke's gospel to the moment to which we come up today has the words of Jesus on a long, long journey being repeated over and over and over again to crowds that didn't understand or were confused or objected to it, to the disciples the same way. He said he said he set his face determined like flint to Jerusalem. I must go up to Jerusalem. And there I will be rejected, killed, crucified. But on the third day I will rise. And as every step of this long, long final journey, he was crystal clear telling his disciples exactly what to expect. But again, they couldn't fully, clearly grasp that that's indeed literally what would happen or even if literally what that would be like until after it happened and particularly after the resurrection, until Jesus met with them after his resurrection and he said that he did that amazing work of grace of opening their minds so that they could understand the scripture of what must happen. And they said, wow, didn't our hearts burn within us as the risen Jesus is opening what was before us all the time. So the point being is when Jesus is entering the city, he made it clear on the whole journey of what the outcome was going to be. It was, uh, it was already uh, 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 severed, uh, the relationship uh, between his proclamation of the kingdom of God being with us, his mighty works of God, and the religious establishment, the those in authority who had power, status, and rather a good income off of keeping things the status quo, just like they were. So a matter of fact, the orders had already been given. Should anybody, uh, that, that he must be put to death and, and should anybody know where he is, please tell us so that uh, he can be arrested, charges can be made, and uh, uh, the sentence carried out. And so it's amazing It's amazing that uh, uh, with these orders already going out, with the division already there, that uh, Jesus deliberately uh, prepared for and planned. And uh, he and his disciples, a courageous step in the midst of of the bitter hatred and hostility of the establishment of the religious authorities for uh, the, the disciples and the multitudes and Jesus to say, well, we are going to have the courage to go into this city and to and to proclaim by every action possible his identity as uh, king, as Messiah, and to answer their hopes. If we could again just enter in and... Uh, Feel that moment somewhat. I've already uh, referenced it outside and inside several times. You see it in, in the lessons, but uh, you know it's Passover season, the time of remembering God's mighty act of setting free His people so that uh, they can serve Him, and it's one of the three pilgrimage feasts in which people uh, come up, faithful Jews come up to uh, uh, from Israel uh, up to Jerusalem. And the way is hard. I spent some time this past week just uh, taking the bus up to the Mount of Olives and, and walking alone through uh, some of the uh, neighborhoods and villages there and looking out against the, the beautiful green uh, Judean hills down to where it meets uh, the wilderness and the, the desert coming up from Jericho and uh, seeing that all of the modern buildings built there but picturing during those times of, of those being the campsites of of uh, some scholars say hundreds of thousands of pilgrims some I even heard say a million and a half pilgrims coming up and that uh, the rabbis had decided at that time that they would uh, for these Passover times for these uh, times of pilgrimage that, that, that had to be kept within Jerusalem that they would expand the definition of Jerusalem to include these outlying areas as far as Bethany so that they used the exact words, the bread that was baked in these campsites was just as sacred as the bread baked inside the walls of Jerusalem. But this place was packed, just packed, solid. And that's on a normal year. And again, those, uh, I looked, I, I, just walking around some of those neighborhoods, I think I walked about six or eight miles that day, up and down some hills here. I was tired. And then I'm picturing walking the whole journey and especially that last leg of the journey which starts at Jerusalem, which is what, uh, I'll use American measurements, about um, 1,200 feet, 1,500 feet below sea level the lowest place that a human being can walk on the face of the earth, and then walking in about 20 miles up to Jerusalem, which is 2,500 feet above sea level. And I don't care what path was the path you had walked it's all uphill. (laughs) And I I don't care how much overcast there was, it's hot. (laughs) Even on a cool day. Even if it was raining, it's hot. And it's a hard, and it's a difficult journey. And I I spent some time every day this week with those Psalms of Ascent, picturing myself on that journey of of 20-something miles, let alone maybe the 60, 90, 100 or more miles that came before. But that last ascent is all the pilgrims are coming together, and, and one group is joining another group and joining another group, and wave upon wave is coming. And what it must have been like to make that last journey with the encouragement of uh, one pilgrim group singing to another pilgrim group, the encouragement of the songs, of the psalms of ascent. What a a holy, exciting uh, time! But that's just a normal year. Now there was a buzz going on because, and uh, the verses beforehand. It said that Jesus, this is down in Jericho, Jesus spoke a parables to them because he was near Jerusalem and because they thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately. So there was... Something going on with the crowd, an expectation. This Passover is not just Passover. This Passover is going to be different than any other Passover because they were convinced in their hearts that this Passover, Messiah, Jesus, is going to now appear to claim his kingdom. Now just what if you knew that when you were getting off the plane here or arriving here that this was going to be the day when Jesus came again we all pray for that day we wonder about that day we're curious about that day we think about it's getting closer it's getting closer it could be it could be and maybe it will it's going to be someday but they were convinced this was the day this was the Passover this Passover was different than any other Passover because we're with the Messiah, he's going up to Jerusalem and even though he's keeping it hidden and saying don't tell people, all along in the gospels he was saying no, I have to go up to Jerusalem to be, uh, uh, to be rejected, to be crucified and on the third day he'll arise. But uh, in their minds they're thinking he's going to go and, and show himself as Messiah but as the Messiah, that we think Messiah is going to be of where uh, a national Messiah, a, mil- a military hero, a political hero, and uh, the earthly kingdom is going to be established now in all of the ways that we are thinking and hoping and praying for They just couldn't grasp the other. And so it says Jesus you know, was teaching them again, no, it has to be this other way. So they, they uh, 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 then as they're in these campsites, there's a little bit of a pause of a day or so before Jesus comes in. And what happens during that time that really gets the crowds excited? He raises his friend Lazarus from the dead. Word is getting out about that, not only to the pilgrims of arriving, but those who are already in the city. And so you've got that you know, explosive, shocking Amazing news going through. What is going to happen? And so as Jesus in his royal sovereignty as king begins to put forth the commands, you know, uh, in fulfillment of the prophet of Zechariah, lo, the Messiah is coming to you, riding on uh, the, the colt, the foal of a donkey, But you read the, the verses later, which we read to all the way to the end, and he's going, but he's going to come in peace. He's not going to come as a warrior on a war horse, what it means that he's going to come in fulfillment of Zechariah. When Messiah comes, he will come riding on the foal of a donkey. He's saying, "I'm coming as, as a messiah of peace." But as he gives that command, go get that donkey. And if anybody objects, tell them, God has need of it. It's to be in God's service this day. Jesus never referred to himself as Lord much in in the Gospels. But this day, so you tell them the Lord has need of it. It's to be in God's service this day. He puts forth the royal command with authority. And there, there they are. And now uh, they get it. And uh, if there's any doubt on, on Jesus was claiming to be the Messiah of Zechariah chapter nine, uh, the disciples themselves lift him up and put him on the donkey. And they put him on not a saddle, which they could have easily brought with it or, or a blanket to lay over it, which would have, they could have easily gotten as a sign of homage of worship, of, of acknowledging his identity. They put their own cloaks not only on the donkey, but on all the roads along with the palm branches before them. I mean, you, you're all familiar with this. You've all, you've all heard it many, many times. But again, what we want to see clearly in here is in every way possible, uh, Jesus is publicly uh, and intentionally proclaiming his identity as uh, uh, Messiah, as King of David, coming into the capital city to claim his throne and into the temple to to, um, to proclaim divine sovereignty over it, coming into his house. And of course, uh, not only do the religious establishment want to quiet down the disciples because what, he's saying, what they're saying is blasphemous if it wasn't true, but they're also, I believe, looking over uh, their shoulders and saying, do you see who's watching this? Extra-Roman troops have been sent in to maintain order in Jerusalem during Passover. They're very unpredictable. At any moment, they can go and see this, this enthusiasm which has now been anointed by the very presence and spirit of, of, of God. This, this breaking forth, this, this not only this uh, uh, energy in a crowd, but an energy in a crowd which is proclaiming kingship is entering the city of where uh, only Rome gets to say who's king. This can go and bring those troops down upon us and we can be maimed, crippled, killed. There's no telling what the Romans can arbitrarily decide to do what they would deem best to maintain order at this moment. Lord, if you don't care about the blasphemy, please don't bring us Don't bring us the wrath and the death of these Romans here to maintain order. But this is God's moment. He's present. And it must be acknowledged and saluted. If in our shame we do not proclaim his identity He's saying to him, he said, if you're too, you know, no. They're they're happy to do this. But if you're too ashamed to proclaim my identity, then you will be shamed by the very stones themselves, which will be destroyed by Rome someday, of these houses and temple. um, uh, Proclaiming instead. So there's the moment of entry and of joy of lifting the veil, of proclamation of identity. But when the criticism and the rebuke comes, all of a sudden, Jesus' heart is kindled and it says that he breaks into and here I keep asking people, give me a word in English or other languages which captures the depth of how he weeps here. He's not crying with a few trickle of tears. It says he is sobbing, he's lamenting it's the only thing I can think of are those few times when, when uh, the, the shock or the grief or the sorrow has come so deep that we can't, we are uncontrollably physically exhausted by uh, cannot, cannot just shut off the sobbing the wailing, the broken hearted, the heaving Again, I just don't know an English word or even a foreign word that captures the depth of the broken hearted sobbing, weeping, wailing you know of the Savior at this time when he is being proclaimed as Messiah and as king and uh, you know of course uh, you know, of course he does this because uh, he loves us and he loves those even who rejected them they, he doesn't say oh my city my temple is going to reject me right now well therefore it's off I'm, I'm done this journey's over there's no point to it in the face of the very rejection and the consequences that are going to come from that he says I'm going to continue on continue into the house, claim authority within my temple, Uh, I begin to, as as, as God walked in the cool of the evening with Adam and Eve at the beginning of creation in that sweet fellowship, when Jesus goes in and, and cleanses the temple, what is he doing? It says he's teaching them and they're listening to them. They're hearing them. All along the way he's been saying, those who have ears to hear, let them hear. If you have ears to hear, hear. In other words, Follow me, trust me, obey me. Not just listen, like listening to an iPod or the radio or TV. No, follow me in trust and obedience and discipleship. And then he was criticized every step of the way as sinners and tax collectors were hearing him. And now it says that after he cleanses the temple, after he enters, he says, my house, not my father's house, my house is to be a house of prayer. It ends with him. I picture just that cool of the evening at the very beginning of creation of what he wanted all along to be giving himself in fellowship in a way that we would hear him, hear him, love him, trust him, be restored to him. Sweet days, difficult days, challenging days, Days of uh, inspecting the lamb in the temple to see if it was worthy of sacrifice. and You know, looking at him as the lamb of God. Days of when he was challenged and tried to be entrapped. But yet, I don't want to overlook God in his temple with his people teaching so that they can hear him. Uh, just shows his heart of what he wanted. All along, but a heart that breaks. Now, I, I, uh, when I, my, my trip this week, I went again, as I've been many times, to the little chapel of Dominus Flavit, uh, the place where marks where uh, remembers where Jesus wept somewhere along the Mount of Olives, coming down. It. It has a a picture on the altar of a mother hen gathering its chicks, where earlier in Luke's Gospel, uh, Jesus talks about Jerusalem and said, "Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem." He didn't weep then, but he just, his heart was breaking. How often I would have gathered you unto myself as a mother hen gathers her chicks, but you wouldn't. And now you're left alone until you can say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, until you can acknowledge me as your king and your Messiah. And, uh, but there's another plaque there that I, maybe I saw it years back, but I, to me I just saw it for the first time this week and it looks like this. And uh, it it marks the verse of where Jesus beheld the city, Jerusalem, and he wept. And there's a little poem, a little saying there. I don't know who it's by. It just says M.B. I don't know who M.B. is. It's not of the Bible, but it it captures this. It says, here rings anew the love of God's lament. Mankind made for himself so far from him has strayed. Here now the Savior calls you in love. God calls, God calls, God calls. Repent and come back home. We know the end of the story that we'll remember all of Holy Week. He weeps over the city because he comes as king to claim his kingdom and his city and that's rejected. But yet he will say, I am the king. This is my kingdom and this is my body and this is my blood. I stretch out my arms of love on the hard wood of the cross and die in the place of all so that the door is still open and any who will come I'm there uh, with uh, forgiveness and with power. And how do we know that? It was because after his resurrection, he, uh, he came to his, uh, his disciples and he opened their eyes and he said, these things must happen. And now you go forward, beginning in Jerusalem, beginning, not rejecting Jerusalem, but beginning in Jerusalem to our own people. Go to them as witnesses of these things. Proclaim the forgiveness of sin to all repent. Go to our enemies, Samaria. Go to Judea, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. And go to all the ends of the earth. Go to your city and to my city. I don't know where you live, but we all live somewhere. Or we all visit somewhere. We've all come from somewhere. We're all going somewhere. And Jesus is weeping over these places too. I oh, just, last night, as I we, we got some news from home about just all the tensions in our country and amongst our family, And even amongst congregations that divide people because they look for hope in other things than the Savior. Well, they follow Jesus and they say, yeah, Jesus loves me, this I know, and I've accepted Jesus as my Savior, I'm going to heaven. But when it comes down to the practical points of their life, they look more to political solutions or technology solutions or educational solutions or other things. But the whole idea of Jesus being king and Messiah are church words and somehow don't work down to the everyday uh, fabric of of the most important relationships of our lives. And so Jesus is left weeping, saying, I'm here as king, as God with you, as Messiah. Only this time, what's different from this week's lesson is, is I've already been crucified and I'm risen and this time before I come again is a time of grace and an open door and go to Jerusalem to my people. Go to uh, Judea, your neighbors. Go to Samaria, those who are different from us. Go to the ends of the earth. Go to wherever I send you and can you weep with me? I don't need you to analyze it. I don't need you to criticize it. I don't need you to fear it. I need you to have courage to let me put my heart within you by the power of the Holy Spirit that you can have a burden for those I have a burden for, that you can weep for those who I weep for. Jesus weeps for our cities who know him not. And every day our countries that seem to be turning farther and farther away from him. He weeps for our families and our, even our congregations where there's division for the places that we do not acknowledge him as truly the king that he is. That somehow his majesty is still hidden. For as the time of his passion and resurrection draw nears, the whole world is call, called to acknowledge his hidden majesty. There are places where his, who he really is, is still hidden. And, and I just call us to have the humility and the courage to pray, Lord, give us your heart that we can weep for those for whom you weep. And as you wept and then went on to die, Lord, give us the heart and the courage that those whom we weep for with your tears, we can go on to love them with your love, to wash their feet, to stand with them, to not, uh, to not abandon them, and to be faithful to lift you up who as who you are, uh, Savior, Savior, God with us, King and Messiah. Lord, help us to fear not and to not be ashamed of the power of the gospel so that the stones have to go and cry out in our stead. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, give us courage this day. Give us courage this day. May our the truth of our witness ring out with what is said again in these words. Here rings anew from where he sends us the love of God's lament. We stand in the midst of places where mankind has been made for himself, but so far from him has strayed. And now, maybe through us, here now, the Savior will call them in love. May our life uh, proclaim his resurrection truth. God, call us, call us, call us. Repent, turn around, come back home. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you've been blessed by this teaching, let us know by leaving a comment on our Facebook page or leaving a review in iTunes. You can offer practical support to Christ Church Jerusalem by clicking the donate now button on our Facebook page. Thank you and blessings from the City of the King.